0: 39 and verse 23. And I'm going to be reading out of the Message Bible. I like the way it it, uh, it says it. The Message Bible, it says, Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself if I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Those are heavy words, huh? Investigate my life. I wonder what would happen if we investigated your life. Put 2020 on you. You know, they do investigation. They get down to the bottom of it. And then it says, find out everything about me. All those secret things, find it all out. Uncover it. Expose it. Cross-examine me. Test me. Do whatever you want. Just as long as you get me back on the road to eternal life. Amen? Go ahead and have a seat this morning. There are instruments that the medical field uses. They use arthroscopes, stethoscope, laparoscopes, ultrascopes, all these scopes. And it's amazing what the medical world will come up with to look inside of us, to find the problems that are inside our bodies, and then try the best that they can to fix them. Well, that's what this scripture is saying this morning. It says, use whatever you need to use, Lord, Whatever instrument you need to use, investigate me. Look at every area of my life. This is saying, put a mirror in front of me. You ever put a mirror in front of you and look at all the imperfections in your life? Not too pretty sometimes. But the scripture says, show me who I am. Examine my life. Those of us who were sun worshipers when we were young, how many were sun worshipers? when you were young. I mean, it's, I know it's harder here, but in Southern California, that was like, that's the thing to do. Every summer, I would take the bus. I'm 16 years old. I'd take the bus from where I lived in East LA all the way to Santa Monica. Take three buses just to get to the beach. And I would do that every summer, because that was just something that we did. We just loved the sun. I'd baby oil. I'd bake. And, uh, yeah, now I don't do that no more, but I did do that when I was younger. And when it comes to sun worshiping, I don't think anybody loved the sun more than my husband. He was a sun worshiper. He would take every opportunity he could. If, if like, you, you wanted to talk to him, he goes, let's go stand in the sun. I mean, he would just take every opportunity he could to just be in the sun. He'd go and stand in the backyard, read a book in the sun. And my fear was always that he would get skin cancer, like so many others who worship the sun. So I did some investigating. I read about some skin cancer and what you you have to do. And what I found out is that you need to stay on top of any discolorations on your skin, any blemishes that show up on your face or your body that are unusual. You have to learn how to be your own physician in order to recognize the problems before they actually become serious. So when you go to a doctor and you tell them, I have this blemish here, and what they do is they get their own little pen, and they begin to make circles around every blemish so that they can look at that blemish, and they can see, and they can investigate it, and they can tell whether it really is skin cancer or whether it's just another type of blemish. Maybe it's just A pimple. But they do that so that they could focus on that. And if it is a skin cancer and they test it and they find out that it's benign, what they do with it is that they actually lance it or they cut it out and then they sew it up. I read of a man who found on his face a blemish and he didn't know what it was, so he decided to go to a dermatologist. And when he went to the doctor, the doctor examined the spot on his cheek. And immediately, he told him, you have skin cancer. And he said, it's minor, though. It's very small. But I'm going to be able to cut it out. So he told him what he needs to do every day. He needed to take a self-examination every single day to make sure that no other blemishes pop up on his body. And that if he saw anything irregular that came up, that he was to come back to the doctor. Throughout the years, he would go to the doctor and he would look and make sure that parts of his skin didn't show up and he had to go back six times throughout the years. But in 15 years, he's only had six times where he's actually had to have blemishes lanced out of his body. Those self-examinations have paid off because he is still here 15 years later and he's still alive. Most of the times, major problems can be taken care of if there are self-exams done. If there's no self-exams done, it could cost us our life. We may not have to search our skin daily for abnormalities on our body, but we do need to check our inner life regularly. Self-examination is vital. Each of us have to do self-examination. When you have a problem with your skin, you can take care of it by examining yourself. But when you don't take care of your self-examination in your spirit, you can wind up with cancer on your soul. There's areas in your body that you can see, areas that you can look and you go, oh, you know what? This is abnormal. But there's parts of your body that you can't see, and that's your back. You can get in a mirror and you can try and look, but you know what? It's not the same. You actually need to have somebody cover your back. We need to have someone who is close to us to look at that area for us. And it's the same way with us that we need to have people identify areas, potential areas of trouble that we can't see, potential areas that look good to us, but when other people see them, they like, oh, you know what? This is not looking too good. We need to have people that we love and respect to be able to say, I got your back, and really mean it. We have to have the courage to let people point out problems that are developing in our life. This means that we need to have a humility to listen and to learn from those who see things that we can't see. People who practice self-examination are going to be here in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years, because people are going to be able to see the areas that are broken, where the sin is in dark corners that can be exposed. Wherever we have blind spots, those who are close to us, those who love us can identify those changes so that we can move to repentance and growth. People do not drop out of the church. People do not drop out of ministry because they lack skills. You could have all the skills. You could know how to, how to preach, how to teach, how to uh, do a lot of things in this church. People don't drop out of Christianity. They don't stop coming to church because they lack skills. They drop out because they lack the examined inner life. That's why they drop out. And when you don't have an examined inner life, it causes you to make decisions that you compromise your relationships, you compromise your integrity, you do things that you shouldn't do because you're not examining your life. God is looking for people who are going to have the courage to look at themselves. The courage and the humility to look at themselves and say, this is who I am. And to be honest, when they've crossed the lines and become comfortable with hidden sin. The Lord wants to remake our hearts, restore our souls, and give us new beginnings. He's calling us to have courage and humility, to be able to be transparent and be accountable. See, I've been in ministry going on 37 years, and I have seen a lot. I've seen many, including myself at different times of my life, with spiritual Anorexia. Anorexia is a disease that when somebody looks in the mirror, they look fat, but they themselves are skinny. They have no nourishment. They don't see themselves the way they are. They are 100 pounds. They are 80 pounds. They have nothing, no fat on them at all. But when they look at themselves in the mirror, They look fat. Spiritual anorexia is just like that. You look in the mirror, and you think you look good. You got your Christianity together. You look fat. But in reality, you're only 80 pounds, and you're starving for the presence of God in your life. That's what we look like sometimes. We can't help others walk closely with Jesus, If we don't do these personal exams and be humble enough to recognize those little cancer spots that are forming in our life, we're sinners who need God's grace on a daily basis. We're broken vessels who can only be restored by the powerful hand of God. I want to share with you two areas, just two, that you need to look for spots that need healing. There's a whole lot more, but I'm only going to concentrate on two. And the first one, is your heart. Psalm 5110 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Now, we all know that when our heart stops beating, life is over. It's just done. And what's true of our physical life is also true of our spiritual life. It's also true that if our heart stops beating physically and spiritually, We die. But what is so sad is that spiritually, we have learned to put on the mask that our hearts are beating when actually our hearts have stopped. We know how to put on the front. We know how to even fool ourselves into believing that our hearts are real beating strong. And they've already, we've been in spiritual cardiac arrest and we don't even realize it. It's possible. It is possible to preach, teach, conduct a meeting, oversee a ministry, oversee a church, or, you know, do a whole lot of things in spiritual cardiac arrest. It is very possible. We've all learned to go through the motions, every single person. We all know how to fake it. You fake it every day when you go to work. You don't even want to be there. And you're there. We do things out of compulsion. We do things because we know we have to do them. But I want to let you know something this morning, that what keeps our heart beating is love. And if we lack that, our heartbeat gets weaker and weaker and weaker psalm 51 verse 16 to 17 in the message says this going through the motions doesn't please you a flawless performance is nothing to you i learned god worship when my pride was shattered heart shattered lives are ready for love and that is the truth There are organs of the body that can be removed entirely. Your tonsils, your appendix, your kidneys, even your lungs, if one of them is left behind. You can still function on one lung. You can function on one kidney. You can function without your appendix, without your tonsils, all of those things, but you only have one heart. Only one heart. And we cannot exist without that one heart. Heart disease is the number one killer in America today. Everywhere you look, there's always reminders. Take care of your heart. Protect your heart. Eat right. Exercise. Take medication. Do whatever you got to do. Learn all the signs of a heart attack. The physical care of our heart is important, but the heart of our spirit is more important. When we ask him to create in us a clean heart, you know what that scripture is saying? It's a, it's a plea. saying, Lord, create me a clean heart. Give me a heart transplant. Replace the one that I got because the one that I got ain't too good. The one that I got keeps starting and stopping. The one that I got is in spiritual cardiac arrest. The one that I got doesn't function too well. The ones that have been damaged need a new heart this morning. We get to the point where we begin to do things out of duty more than our love for God. We do things because we have to do them. We can go days and weeks without sitting at the foot of Jesus, without opening up his word. How can we do that? We begin to look at our children and our spouses and our people at work, we begin to look at our neighbors and even the people here in church, we look at them as problems. We look at them as distractions. We need a heart transplant. We stay busy and we do things to isolate ourselves from people. If we want to be healthy in this life and in our ministry, then we need to have a heart that is passionately in love with God. Revelations 2, 4, and 5 says this, but this I have complaint against you. This is God speaking to the church. He says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. When God is no longer our first love, our lives are in danger. They really are. When other things, even good things, take dominance in our heart, we're in dangerous territory. Things come in and they're good things. Some of you want to get married. That's a good thing. Some of you have gotten, uh, you have the blessing of children, that's a good thing. You have a blessing of a job, that's a good thing. You got blessed with a brand new home, that's a good thing. You have a new car, that's a good thing. There's a whole lot of good things that happen to us. But when those things take priority over our relationship with God, then that good thing is no longer a good thing. That good thing can deter you, can distract you, can take you away from where you're supposed to go. It can take you, your priorities get all mixed up. You got a good thing going. But that good thing can become more important than your relationship with God. The things that replace our first love, they're not bad. They really aren't. But they become unhealthy. Unhealthy to us when they take priority. If we wanna serve God faithfully for a lifetime, then we need to be aware of the things that come in and take first place in our life. When his glory is our joy, when his heart beats with ours, then he rules our life with no opposition. He doesn't have to come and push something else out of his place where he belongs. Then you're gonna be able to be healthy as a Christian. In my years of ministry, I've had many, many painful experiences. I've had unfair accusations. I've had conflicts. I've had so much stuff in all of these years. I don't think there's anything more rewarding than to do what I'm doing right now. But there's also nothing more painful than to do what I'm doing right now. Because whenever we open up our hearts and our lives to lead people, whenever we're going to love people, whenever we're going to sacrifice for people, whenever we're going to invest our lives in people, I will guarantee you we're going to feel like we got burned. That's the reality. We're all going to feel like that. Sometimes we deal with the pain of what has happened to us by shutting off our heart. Uh, You know what, I'm not going to do that again. We build a wall. We build an emotional buffer to protect us from ever getting hurt again. We still do what's expected of us. We still function in our role. We still do what we're supposed to do in our position. We lead, we teach, we disciple, we meet people, we travel. But we're safe behind the wall of our heart. We have shut down. And now I know, because I've done this. I've done this in my years of ministry. People have hurt me. People have accused me. They've threatened me. They've forgotten me, humiliated me, rejected me. Been there, done that. And I have protected my heart with the armor of cynicism or negative thinking. I've protected myself with emotional distance from people. But then I've also asked the Lord to give me the courage to love the people that I'm called to serve, to love again those people who have hurt me. I've asked God to help me even if it means that I have to experience more personal pain. I have to remind myself that the people who hurt me are also hurting. Because hurt people hurt people. Matthew 22, 38 to 40 says this. And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your prayer, and all your intelligence. And he says, with all your mind, soul, and spirit. But the words in the message says, your passion, your prayer, and your intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list, that you love the Lord first. But there's a second that goes right alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. What Jesus is telling us in these scriptures is that a true relationship with God, a true relationship with God will lead to a deep love for people. You cannot say you love God and don't like people. We can say it. But it's not true. Because the two commandments are inseparable. They're locked in. If you love God, you're going to love people. You cannot say, I love God and not like people. You just can't. If we're not careful, we will forget that we're called to love the people that we're around. Why do you think I stood so long on helping us understand that we're a family? We're a family. Families hurt each other. Families say things they shouldn't say. Families abuse and misuse. Fam- families do that. But what are you going to do? Your family. You can't say you're not my family anymore. You could say it. Doesn't apply. You still look like each other. You do. You know why? Because the spirit of God in you bears witness with the spirit of God in them. You both have. You know, you know how you always tell a a mother and a son or a a father and a daughter, oh, they look alike. Well, deep down when the Lord looks down from heaven, you all look alike. Because he recognizes that there's a spirit of him inside of you. Oh, that's my kid. Oh yeah, that's my kid too. Oh, that's my kid. Yeah, that's my kid too. So we're all family. We all look alike. But when we just do the work, and we disregard family, then we're not applying this scripture to our life. I don't think we have a problem with committed people. We have commitment here in this church, and I thank you for that commitment, where you love the ministry, you love the vision of this church. But I want to tell you that it's going to take a little bit more than commitment. It's going to take absolute love to be able to get us to that next level. It's going to take us overlooking faults in one another. It's going to take us accepting each other just the way we are. There are some people, and I'll tell you who you are, you're the ones that like to leave early. You come late. You miss worship. You try to miss the offering. And then you leave early. You know what you are? You're a rock star Christian. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, okay, I'll be a rock star Christian. A rock star Christian doesn't associate with the public. They keep themselves at a distance. You come late, you leave early, because you don't want to associate with people you got issues with people. Throw that rock star mentality out. We don't have any rock stars here. Take off that little crown you gave yourself, (laughs) and just be like the rest of us. Hang out. Get to know somebody. We're not all that bad. Be touchable. Don't rush out after church. Don't keep a safe distance from people even those that have hurt you, because we're called to labor side by side. We're called to work together. We're called to join together. And even if it means great pain, but there's no other way. If there was another way, believe me, I would have found it. I would have found an easier way to do what I'm doing. I would have found an easier way not to experience pain. How many of you are right with me? You would have found an easier way. Because... That's the way we are. We'll always look for an easier way. But there is no easy way. It's the hard road. It's the difficult road. Jesus loved people so much, he laid down his life for them. And that's the kind of love that we need to have. We also need to have a forgiving heart. How many times are we supposed to forgive? Seventy times seven? A day. A day. Not... Not for your life. Some of you would say, okay, 490. I can do that for my whole life. No, a day. 490 a day. There is no better place to grow in love than in this church. There is no better place to learn the art of forgiveness than in this church. There's a story of two friends who were walking through the desert. During some point of the journey, they had an argument. And one friend slapped the other friend right across the face. The one who got slapped was really hurt. But without saying anything, he wrote in the sand, today, my best friend slapped me in the face. They kept walking until they found an oasis, a water hole where they decided to take a bath. The one who had been slapped in the face got stuck and started drowning. But the other friend saved him. And after he recovered from the near drowning, that person wrote on the stone, today, my best friend saved my life. And the friend who had slapped him And saved his best friend, asked him, after I hurt you, you wrote in the sand, and now you write on a stone. Why? And that other person said, when someone hurts us, we should write it down in sand where the winds of forgiveness can erase it away. But when someone does something good for us, we need to engrave it in a stone where no wind can erase it. And that, that's what we need to learn to write our hurts down in sand and carve our benefits in stone. Because the church is people. We're all broken. We're all sinful. And when you spend time with people, it's only going to be a matter of time before you get hurt. Just a matter of time. Spend half an hour with somebody and they may say something wrong. They may do something wrong. They may look at you wrong. <laughs> but while you're nursing your wound and you're feeling that sharp pain of rejection, then you also have to hear Jesus' voice calling you to forgive. When Jesus was despised and unloved, he didn't retaliate, but he prayed for forgiveness. We all come to those crossroads in our life where we, walk, where we have to make a decision. Am I going to walk the way? of forgiveness, or am I going to let my heart grow cold and say, you know what, they're never going to do that to me again, ever. I will never let them do that to me. Pain and heartache are a part of our life. And it's possible for us to become angry, hurt, cynical, and insulated. And if we don't learn the wisdom and the power of forgiveness, then our hearts are going to die, and we'll become just an empty shell. Forgiveness heals. Unforgiveness kills. Is there anyone that has wronged you that you have not fully forgiven, that you really need to let it go? When our hearts are strong, then the rest of our bodies can draw life from it. But when our hearts are weak, it's difficult to be healthy in all the other areas. When our hearts are passionate about God and they're tender toward those that we're working with and that we're around, then we're willing to forgive and become healthy people. I've been hindered by a heart that was damaged, not physically, but in the spirit. The damage was caused by a breach of trust from those that I thought I could trust. Those that I thought I could put faith in. And it just didn't happen one time. And it didn't even happen twice. It didn't even happen three times. I wish that would have been the limit. It's happened umpteen times. I can't even count. But it's a human experience. And you know what it's called? Life. It's called life. If you're going to breathe, you're going to get hurt. If you're going to function in this world, you're going to get hurt. God wants to grow us in our character. A person with godly character is one who can stand in the face of false accusations, insinuations, slander, and ridicule. If you can remain rock solid in the middle of all this stuff, and even though your hurt may be real, and even though your, your heart is breaking, you will be able to be a man and a woman of character. Reputations come, and reputations go. But character will hold you through the storms. It will hold you, it will hold you. So check your heart this morning. And the second thing, after we check our heart, my question is, who's watching your back? When you're watching your skin for discolorations, your back is your area that you can't see. You need to have somebody else examine it for you. Because if a skin problem rose up, we'd miss it. And it could be critical. You could develop a whole cancer spot in your back and not even know it. And in the very same way, we need people who are going to watch our spiritual back. People that will love and trust and be honest with and that can be honest with us. Even when it's hard. The truth is we all have attitudes. We all have motives and we all have different things that we do that are not healthy and that are not honoring to God. But some of these are in our back and we can't really see them. But we need to give other people permission to notice those problems that we can't see so that we can make sure that we don't make a mistake. Wise people will surround themselves with people who will tell them the truth. Not people who will lie to them. We have all of those. They say, oh, your hair looks so good and your hair is all messed up. (laughs) They'll tell you, oh, you look so nice today and you know you just got thrown, you threw your clothes on. They're not even ironed. They'll tell you all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about the people that will be honest with you and tell you the truth. We don't like to hear the truth. The truth sometimes really hurts us. But when we have friends who will speak into our lives and that we will listen to, really listen to, we will be able to make the changes. Matthew 11:28 28 to 30 says these words. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out with religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. For those of you who know the word, that is the scripture that says, put my yoke on you and learn of me. My burden is easy. My burden is light. When was the last time you went to bed with a sense of inner peace that you are right where God wants you to be in your life? Do you have that feeling of being overworked and underappreciated? Do you look at other lives and look at them and say, man, why are they enjoying their life so much and I'm struggling? This scripture of Matthew 11:28 28 to 30, it's difficult to understand the word yoke because we don't see them today. In the first century, everyone knew what a yoke was and everybody knew the purpose of a yoke. Yokes were custom made by carpenters to fit on the back of an ox so that he could be harnessed to work. And they would go and they would grind corn, they would go in a circle, but they would be put this wooden yoke on them. The better the yoke fit, the more productive the ox would be. William Barclay, who was a commentator, said this. He said, carpenters hung signs out, out of their door that says, my yoke is easy, which really meant my yoke fits well. Jesus knows exactly what burden you are to bear. He is the master carpenter, and he has made a yoke that fits you well perfectly he knows what you should and should not be carrying we get into trouble when we take up a yoke of somebody else something that's not supposed to fit us something that we have no business carrying and we put it on because we feel we're supposed to put it on it's shaped for somebody else but you know what give it to me bearing Jesus's yoke means that you're going to do what he wants you to do, bear whatever he wants you to bear, not somebody else's. As long as it's his yoke, it's going to fit. When the yoke doesn't fit right, it's because we're crushed under the load of people with their demands, people with expectations, and then responsibilities that we can't handle. We all get to that point where I can't handle this. I can't deal with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And we're all like, and you know what? That's because you're carrying a yoke that you're not supposed to be carrying. You're taking on responsibilities and you're taking on burdens that you're not supposed to be having. You've taken them on. You've put a self-induced yoke on you that you're not supposed to have. Jesus says, put my yoke, because my yoke is light. My yoke is easy. Take that other thing off of you. Why are you running around like a chicken without a head? Why are you so stressed out and full of anxiety? Why aren't you sleeping at night? Why are you having to pop pills to get up, pop pills to go to sleep, pop pills to make it through the day? You're not giving God any glory with your life when you're carrying a yoke that is not yours. We overload ourselves because we want to please people, because we want to prove our worth. But in the process, We're being crushed under the weight. This is the sign that we're bearing the wrong yoke. The call of every Christian is to receive the yoke of Jesus, because his yoke always fits right. I could not do what I'm doing if I was not fit with the right yoke. Because the Bible says that his yoke is light. There's a lot of times where I really don't feel all the pressure. The pressure is there. The responsibilities are there. Things I got to do is there. But I get a good night's sleep. I'm not struggling at night. I'm not waking up all you know uh, like sleepless nights. I'm not going to say I've never had them. But I'm not stressed out. When I'm stressed, I break out. I'm not broken out. I'm good. I'm fine. All my life, I had what is called adult acne, because I was always stressed. Stressed over the finances. Stressed over the people. Stressed over the problems. Stressed over my children. Stress, stress, stress. And now, pff, I, I'm peace. I am really at peace. In fact, that's what I was telling uh, Pastor Sonny when we were we were driving. He goes, you know, You look good. And I go, you know, I feel like I'm doing what God has called me to do. And he goes, you know, I think you're right. You're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And that's why you feel so much peace. (laughs) Healthy Christians carry the yoke of Christ. They don't carry man-made burdens. They don't carry yokes and crosses that are given to them by other people. They go to Jesus and say, is this the yoke that I'm supposed to be carrying? Is this the responsibility that I'm supposed to have? Because our lives are full. Demands on our life are always there. But when we have the strength of the Spirit, then our burdens are not so strong. They're not so heavy. They're not so difficult. Think about your life. Think about your ministry. Are you carrying the yoke that Jesus gave to you, or are you carrying your own yoke? Because if there's a sense of peace and there's a sense of stress, even when you're challenged, even when you're going through difficult times, even when everything seems to be coming at you, and you have this peace inside of you, then you're carrying the yoke that he wants you to carry. That's when you know that you know that you know that it's his yoke. Are you carrying a yoke that's put on you by somebody else? Because if you are, then you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to feel bitter. You're even going to feel resentful because you just feel overwhelmed. You can't do it. Or sometimes we're under a self-made yoke. You may think the yoke is from Jesus, but it's actually your own. You put it on you. Sometimes we we, we don't want really want to put a, a too heavy of a yoke on ourselves. We want to Light, you know, I want to feel light. I just want to come, not get involved, not get connected. Do as little as possible. Keep it light. Keep it cool. Keep it, are not connected. I don't want to get too connected because if I get too connected, you know, then they're going to ask me to do something. They're going to ask me to get involved. They're going to ask me to, to be an usher or security. They're going to ask me to watch kids. They're going to ask me to do something. I don't want to do it. I just want to keep it cool. So we keep the yoke pretty light. But the the lighter you keep your own yoke, the shorter, the shorter you're going to be able to not reach the full potential that God has for your life. You're not going to be able to reach it because your yoke is just, it's yours. Not God's, it's yours. If you're carrying any other yoke, And the one that jesus has for you it's time to change yokes sometimes after a long week of doing hard work sometimes even after ministry you feel worn out you feel like man i've been carrying this whole thing nobody seems to notice what i'm carrying poor me ever get that poor me don't we just love to just tell people poor me and then we, we, we get upset with people who just ask one more thing. Sometimes it's just our kids. We're so overwhelmed, and they go, can I have a glass of water? Get the water yourself! <laughs> They're like, whoa! You know, what happened? Mom, I'm hungry. Go in the refrigerator and get some. Like, calm down. Whose yoke do you got? Because you surely don't got Jesus' yoke. You surely don't have his. You're stressed out. When you have your quiet time of self-examination, look at yourself. See what you got. Realize that you have a yoke. That it might be his, then you have the peace. But it might be by people, and it's uncomfortable. Or you might be your own. You hear Jesus remind you that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He wants to free you from pleasing people. I've already come past that. You know, I realized a long time ago I can't please everybody. I tried. I really tried. I put a yoke on me of trying to please everybody. And no matter how hard I tried, I still didn't please everybody. There was still always one person that wasn't pleased. And I come to the point in my life, in fact, I was talking to somebody last night who called me from a different country. And uh, I love him like a son, and, and uh, he was just sharing with me things that he's been going through in his marriage. And so I, I was encouraging him, and I was telling him what I, one of the lessons that I have learned, that I stopped trying to please people. I just stopped. You know why I stopped? Because I could never do it. And I focused on only one person to please, and that was him. Because if I pleased him, then eventually everybody else will get pleased. But if I could please all of you, I wouldn't be pleasing to him. So I focused on pleasing him. And the more I focus on pleasing him, the more I change. The more I change, the more you like me. That's how it works. When you focus on people then we're not pleasing him. If you want to stay healthy, you want to serve God for a lifetime, you want to look at Jesus' face, then you need to remember that he is a good shepherd. He's not a harsh taskmaster. He's not putting a yoke on you that you can't handle. The God that we love and the God that we serve calls us to bear a yoke that always fits right. So we need to examine ourselves today. We need to let others that we trust, watch our back, and let us know when there are problems developing that we don't see. The process is going to be hard, and it's going to leave some scars. We need humility and courage, but in the end, we're going to be able to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. So I want you to do a self-examination right now. I want you to bow your heads with me and just doing a self-examination. Do you need your heart softened this morning with his love? Do you need to drop your guard of emotional distance and let God heal you? Do you need to confess that something else has become a first love in your heart? Have you been going through the motions and you lost that passion for the Lord? Do you have somebody who can watch your back? Or are you not trusting anybody? God wants to give you this morning all of those things. The humility and the courage to do the self-examination. Stand with me this morning. And as AJ begins to sing, I'm going to open up the altars for you this morning. For you to do your self-examination. For you to come and to let God do what he needs to do in your life that only he can do, no one else can. Oh, Lord, renew me, remake me, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Restore me, transform me, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew me.